Welcome back to our Tuesday's weekly market updates. This week, we'll be talking about Dweck, a Donald Trump social media company that has risen in price massively. We'll be also talking about InsurTech, a company called Hippo, and what they're doing to disrupt the insurance industry. Intel is a good topic this week as well, as they fall short of their expectations. And lastly, man, we're talking about Tesla all the time. We can never get rid of them. <laughs> Stay tuned. TFC's weekly market update scours the net to find worthy financial news to be further discussed and expanded. It is a banter session with facts, figures, and fun to help you get caught up in the world of investing. So join in the banter live with me, Rakesh, your host, weekly Tuesdays at 8 p.m. on our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. All right, folks, this week we have a bit to talk about, and um, we're going to have Anthony talk a bit about DWAC. Um, I think I'm saying it correctly. I'm looking to learn here, so that will be, be really, really cool. Uh, a little bit of intro tech today, uh, Hippo, um, and I think of, of devices as well as software. So, Joel, looking forward to that. Um, and at the same time, we're going to talk about Intel. And of course, last but not least, if you have time for it, we'll talk about Tesla because my God, that stock is to the moon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Michael Burry was shorter that thing was insane, hey? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, he, he's closed it, um, but I, he might put the one on new again. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Okay, okay, we'll save this for later, we'll save this for later. All right, let's start first. Um, Anthony, why don't you tell us about DWAC? Is, is that right? Or is it DWAC? Yeah, it, it's, it's digital you know, world acquisition, um, whatever, <laughs> but it, it's, it's the Trump spec, essentially, right? So, so it's a spec, um, $10 trust value. They announced a merger with Trump Media, which is a new company. Then poof, you know, overnight it went up, what, 800%? So so it, it's closed at 80 bucks, went up to 100, 120, Just now it's at 90 or 85, something like that, right? At, at that level, $2 don't matter anymore. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's just <laughs> insane. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's a merger. Um, it's interesting because you, and, and what, what I found really interesting about it was, well, you know, I, I'm a traditional guy, right? So I like earnings um, mm. and you, you go to growth and you like sales and revenue. Mm. And if you go earlier than that, you like, you know, pre-sales, I like the product. Um, this is a pre-product company. Mm. So all, all they are merging with is a company that has said, I'm going to be a social media website backed by Trump. And that has oh. now an enter- enterprise value of $800 billion? That's insane. Oh, no, sorry, $800 million. Oh. Right? So, and, and, you know, it's, it's pre-product. You, you don't know what's going to happen except that Trump is backing it. So can we can we like assume that most of the people are actually just pumping this because of Trump, just because it's Trump? Feels like it, right? Mm. It, it, it's his brand yeah. power. Um, he say he puts his name on something and people buy it. Um, what's what's also interesting <laughs> is this is this the way of like, oh, yeah, I supported Trump during the election. Now it's my time to show him what I really support, and then like, yeah, but, but he doesn't get the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the, the way a spec works <laughs> is that the acquisition price is fixed, so so all this money isn't going to Trump; it's, it's just going somewhere else. But yeah, in in a great sign of you know investor confidence, this spec also didn't have a pipe. Um, so so normally specs have what's called a public. Sorry, a private investment in public equity. It's where the institutional shareholders come in and you know they, they just buy up the stock and, and be cornerstone investors. 
um, this this bag had none of it. It's zero. Um, hedge funds have come out and say, I'm selling, I'm selling, I'm selling. Um, and I'm sold. I, I'm just out. Whatever I can sell, I, I have gone out of it. So, but the price is still there, right? It's still um, $85, I think, um, pre-market today. So, fantastic. Um, but, but yeah, I think just wanted to put on the radar the new thing now. Pre-product companies. We should all get on it. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. Um, Jesus. Okay, so they don't have a product, but they said they're going to be a social media company for yes. Trump Media. They, they, they are going to um, be the new Twitter, Facebook, and Amazon all rolled into All one. combined. Oh. Right. A- Amazon? Yes. <laughs> all combined. Essentially, they are, you, know, you know Fang, they are just going to be the new Fang, except that they are one company, and it's all run by Trump. Oh, sorry. Um, I, sorry. Yeah. That, that's a bit unfair. They, they do have a product. Um, they, they rolled out, I think, a, a beta social media platform, which was immediately said that was plagiarized from an open source code. And, and the, the, <laughs> the name of the open source company is on it, right? So on, on certain of the error what? messages. So, so they have a product. Yes, it's, it's just um, copy. Oh, man. <laughs> Actually, I'm very curious. Uh, does, does the US have like a anti anti monopolization rule sort of like a company cannot be too big if not they have systemic failure kind of thing so essentially if trump it wants to be you know the one stop shop for everything isn't it you know too big do they even have this rule in the first place i'm not very sure i think they do all right there, there's there's competition law generally mm. um and and you can be monopolistic you just that once you're a monopoly you you can't do a lot of things um, but I think well, that, that, that really just places a lot of faith that they'll get there. I don't know. Um, <laughs> a lot of very interesting things. So if you look at their disclosure, uh, again, you know, specs quite famously have five-year projections. Everybody makes a trillion dollars in five years in revenue, right? Their disclosure has no dollar signs at all. Mm. It doesn't talk about money, right? It doesn't talk about how to get so there. It's just words it just now. Like, literally says, I am going to make this like this. <laughs> it's just words. Um, and a quote by Trump. Right? It, it doesn't show... Well, maybe the, the quote by Trump is effectively dollar value, right? Because they associate yeah, with money. But, but, but it, it, it's fantastic, right? Because if you are a shareholder <laughs> and you buy into this, you, you can't sue them for fraud. They, they have nothing. <laughs> they, they, didn't, they didn't make you any representation that you relied on. So, yeah, it... It sounds a bit crazy, but it, it could really turn out. It could turn out to be really very smart. Wow, um, I think this one we just have to wait and see, right? But from from what we understand, that if I can just summarize this before moving on, is that they have uh, put Trump on their on themselves, uh, gone through a spec and and listed it. But their software, which they currently apparently have, is not even their code because it's an open source code. So effectively, if you look at, at their fundamentals, well, firstly, uh, maybe we shouldn't be talking about fundamentals, but, <laughs> but if you look at, at yeah, they have no game plan, they have no nothing, except the fact that Trump's name is on it, and that's why it's higher mm. Yeah, and, and I think Trump is slightly slighted, so, so he wants to renegotiate a deal with the spec to, to get a bigger no cut shit. of it, now that it's worth 800 million instead of about <laughs> 80. So <laughs> I think good for him. But yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Would um, you guys actually a keen spec to, to uh, like a meme stock? Because most of it is hype, right? It's only within that first, you know, few weeks kind of thing. Everyone's like so excited. Oh my God, yes. And then they're going to put money inside and they hope that it flies to the moon. But I mean, if you look at the statistics, right, majority of the specs don't actually perform very well after a while. I know after the hype dies down, it's sort of like it's just plateaus kind of thing. 
True. I mean, we'll we'll see a bit more with with. I think Grab is trying to go into through spec in, into this thing, right? So I think that really depends. Um, but I think you're you're referring to to non fundamental mm. stocks, right? Because like for example, a meme stock has got nothing back. In this case, I would I would dare say that there's nothing back in this right mm. now. Right? No code, no nothing, no no game plan on, on where they even want yeah. to be. Yeah. So for me, that's that's the worry, right? Um, so definitely, I do see it. I do see it dropping. I don't know though. Like, like, like. I mean, you know, just looking at GameStop, right? You, you, you would. I think most people, if you put put hand on heart, would say it's separated from fundamentals. But would you dare to yes. short it? <laughs> That's a good question. Though. It's a good question. Okay, okay, okay. But that one is gonna. No, but that one is that one is completely different to to this though, because that one was against the VCs, the people that actually shorted it. And GameStop rose because of the power of individual investor. This has got nothing to do with that. This is like I've got Trump's name, put money in it. But but you have the you power of I mean? the forty nine or fifty one whatever percent of people who voted for him as president. Right? Was 49. And, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you know I, I don't know if if we are going to discount their their power enough, especially for such a thinly traded spec to say, oh yeah, we were shorted in six months. This will all go down the drain. It, it might be that it actually retains its value, yeah. right? Um. So so relatively interestingly, I, I was thinking and this was like two minutes of my time just how I would play this right because it was like, oh yeah I shot it sure um, but it's like, oh maybe not it's a meme stock I'm scared so I wanted to, to do a, a volatility play essentially right it either goes up crazy or it goes down crazy and you know, either way we, we win money and so, so there's this strategy called a, a straddle um, and, and it's terribly expensive now so it's 85 pre-market. If you want to buy an $80 put that expires next month, it's, it's going to cost you 30 bucks. Okay, how, how does the straddle work again, uh, Anthony? So, so you buy, a, you buy, you buy a, a long put that's slightly out of the money. So essentially, if it's 80, 85 now, you are betting that it's not within 80 or 90 at the end of the period. Mm-hmm. Of, of a period. If it, if it goes out of that, you, you make money. It's just a matter of how much. If it doesn't go within that, you lose all your money, right? So, so it's, it's literally a bet, I would say. Um, and obviously not investing advice. <laughs> um, but, you know, this is... You know, and and the, the options are crazy, right? It's 30 bucks. So, so if you want to buy an $80 put, right, that means that it, it has to go below 50 bucks in, in a month before you even start making money. And, and, and that's just you know, a crazily high price. I was like, oh yeah, I could throw 5000 at this. Then, then I did it, looked at it, I was like, oh wait, I'm not going to make money. Forget <laughs> it. Like, that, that's more of life. So, so even options plays are, are, are terrible for this. Jeez, you, um, we have Anthony here dabbling in, in options, man. I'm too, I'm too conservative to even like talk about yeah. that. <laughs> as yeah. soon as I learned it, I was like, this is, as soon as I learned what an option was, I was like, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah, but you know, our listeners that they don't know much about options and so on, uh, please let us know. We're happy to, to explain a bit more about it if, if you'd like. Um, but if not, just Google it. I'm sure you can you can get a few different plays and a few different techniques around there. Awesome. Uh, thanks thanks for the great opening. I think. <laughs> uh, just realizing how, how irrational investors are, right? It's really yes. hard to even just rationalize these sort of things. But, but you can't make um, money when you're rational, so why bother? No, <laughs> yeah, true. I know. <laughs> Yeah, what was it? I should have put money in Shiba Inu, right? With oh, the last yeah, week yeah. that we talked about. 
Uh, who would have been millionaires? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, guys, let's move on. Um, Joel, you got something for us, speaking of specs. So uh, this company I want to talk about today is actually Hippo. Have you guys heard of Hippo before? And it's obviously not a Hippo and the animal like Hippopotamus, but you know, have you guys heard of it before? Hippopotamus. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah, is it a company that sells thirsty, thirsty hippos? Hey, sounds like it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay, so Hippo. Okay, to all the... Uh, no, man. No, what's, what's this? Yeah. Hippo is an insurtech company, basically insurance and technology combined. And it's based in the US that leverages technology to disrupt the home insurance industry. So um, maybe majority of you don't know much about Hippo because it just recently launched this year. But I think some of you do know uh, its major competitor, Lemonade. So Lemonade is also another InsurTech player. Well, I'll talk more about that later. Uh, maybe just give you a little introduction to Hippo first. I see. So, so InsurTech means, means what? Uh? Uh, basically, they, they couple technology and insurance together and makes it very seamless. So if you think of it, how we purchase insurance now, most of it is maybe through an agent. You have to go through a middleman, right? And then this middleman will actually take a cut of whatever premiums you pay, right? So InsurTech sort of try to bridge the gap between just the uh, insurer and the customer. Do correct me if I'm wrong, but this is what I understand. And it actually cuts out the middleman and makes it a lot more seamless in terms of servicing, in terms of claims, in terms of the cost as well, because the, the, the cost for the middleman is cut off. Got it. So a bit like uh, F- FWD, yes, la, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. Like the, this Lee Cushion yep. brand, right? They, yes. they started to launch it without insurance agents, if I'm not mistaken. The yes, that that's correct. Ah, okay. Okay, that explains it a bit Yeah, keep going. Okay, so uh, most larger players in the home insurance industry have been around for many, many years. You know, they, they are called legacy insurance. And the market leader in the US is called State Farm. If a market share of only 18%. No other players in the US have actually more than 10% market share when it comes to home insurance. So this whole market of home insurance is very highly f- uh, fragmented. There's a lot of opportunity there, la. So uh, it's also um, seldom disrupted mm. by new technologies or new competitors as the barriers for entry are relatively high. So there's like high cost of setting up the company, regulations involved. You need a, a, a huge ton of capital, you know, I mean, just as a reserve as well. Right. Is this part of like the regulatory um, like requirements? Yes, yes. And I believe that each country has their own regulations as well, especially when it comes to financial products like insurance. They have a lot of um, stringent rules they have to follow. Uh, I don't know much about that, but I just know that you know they have a very very thick stack of rules to follow to comply as well. So anyway, uh, what I love about Hippo is their use of smart tech. So uh, they have something called the Smart Home Program, where it's an optional features for customers. So basically, if the customer chooses to opt in, Hippo will send them a smart home kit, which will help to monitor what's going on in the house. Uh, just imagine like you can just install this thing in your house and you go out. And if there is something happened to your house, like a home or there's a water leakage or something, this programmer will actually inform you and the company that you know, there's something going on in your house and then they can help you send help ASAP. So this helps to reduce you know, a lot of damages. So now you just think of your own home insurance. You, know, you just buy a policy from the insurer and you just leave it there. And you know, if it comes to claim, you sort of have to fight with the insurer to like, oh, I want to claim this. Ah, but then now because of the tech, it's it's effectively like don't need to don't need to uh, complain or don't need to lodge an application because guess what? Yeah, they already know. correct, correct. Is that In right? a way, like that, they're sort of working with each other. But mm. but that's so self-serving, right? I mean, look, if, if there was damage, who would pay for it? It's the insurer. Mm. All all Hippo is doing is they are saving money for themselves. Yeah, essentially. Right, and and they are charging you for the privilege of it. 
Uh, okay, there is the. Is it more can't... expensive or is it the same price? Uh, it's an optional feature. It's uh, sort of a uh, top up. I think customers have to top up. Yeah, but here's the thing. Uh. Uh, the tick-up rate for this home kit, right, it's a whopping 75%. So customers are voluntarily taking up this product because I think ultimately, at the end of the day, they feel a sense of security. Who wants their home to be destroyed? Who wants their home to be burglarized? Right? If this program can actually help to help um, make you be aware of anything that's going on in your house, why not? Right? It's a sort of an additional sense of security for them. Yeah, so, so I guess in, in a sense, it becomes a bit win-win. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, that, you know, the... Yeah, because the the owner doesn't have to deal with the, the claims process and all that because hopefully we, we prevent the claim and the insurer is happy because they don't need to pay our claim and, and they get they get to charge money for the equipment and their subscription revenue which you know everybody loves. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess it will it will help it will improve efficiency in terms of claiming, it will reduce fraud because I do know insurance for is it? I think I think that's the yeah. thing. Um, I, I don't have the numbers as to how much the insurances lose every every year, but I presume this would reduce it. But more importantly, wouldn't this be much more positive for HIPAA, right? Because of the data that exactly. they're collecting. Yeah. Uh, in, think of it in terms of, of, of suburb-wide or state-wide or houses, house types or, or family types, like these sort of things. And you're just there in the B2C homes, like literally every other home, for example. Okay, maybe one in 10 homes if they hit the 10% market share <laughs> of of, of um, you know, state farm, but so that's that's really really good for them. Is that effectively the end game? Is that where they're going to make the money? No, exactly, Rakesh. So, uh, like you said, you know, these smart devices they actually collect the data, and this will actually be sent to Hippo. So, using this data, they can better price their products and become more efficient and become a more automated company. And data, as you know, uh, is becoming more and more important. And in the name of the game of insurance, the more data you have, the more competitive you become. Because you can know you know how to adjust your loss ratio, you know how to price your products more efficiently. So I think moving forward, as they get more market share, right, they get more data as well, and just focus on one product, home and homeowners insurance. I think they will have a very big chance to get a, a quite a chunk of market share compared to the legacy players. Uh. I don't know. I mean, my, my, my view on this is slightly different. Like, like I agree, you know, data is important. It, it's their mode, right, essentially, because you're right, it prices competitively. Mm. But again, you know, in a fragmented market, it's, it's going to be difficult because if, you know, let's say you, you get somebody who applies and based on your data, you think he's going to be crap. I'm, I'm going to lose money, you know, servicing him as an insurer. I, I'm going to charge him high premiums, right? Mm. Because that, that's the end game. It's, it's differentiated premiums depending on, on risk tolerance. Then that person you know, in a competitive market would just go to a different insurance, com- insurance company, mm. right? So, so you, there, there's a bit of a limit on, on your market share. So maybe, yes, you, know, you, get, you get the best people to insure, but they're going to be cheap, right? You are not going to get fantastic margins. So I think, you know, depends on how they use the data, but it, it's, it, the, the end game for me for all these insure tech companies seems to be very limited. You, you are going to price the, the really risky people out and not service them. And legacy insurers will pick up the beat and not service them as well. So, so these people are uninsured, bad for society. Um, the, the best people who have the best credit ratings will, get, you know, will be very insured or will have lots of competition. And, and you will have, as an insurer, you have low profit margins because everybody knows that. So it. So it's, I don't know. I... I like, yes, it's a great market. It looks great. But I, I don't know how the market dynamics will play out that positively, I think. No, oh, that's a very... Yeah, that's I think that, that's really the, yeah. the, 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 the immediate I, I, sense I get. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, yeah, so you can definitely see the plus points, right? Um, and, you know, taking aside the social aspect of not ensuring the people that uh, in those brackets or in those standard deviations, if you will, um, it's, it's a good idea, right? Uh, for me, the, the biggest issue is insurance in general. Because of all the regulations in most countries, they need to have X amount in balance sheet. They need to have all these different um, laws that they need to comply with and apply to. Um, and for me, that is the, the biggest worry, right? That's why I, I guess I'm afraid to move towards there. Because if something were to happen, then they would have to pay out. And just looking at some numbers, right now, the average premium per policy is negative 1200. Is that right? Or is it 1200? Okay, sorry. Average premium per policy is on average 1200, <laughs> not <laughs> negative. <laughs> Which is quite high because if you look at lemonade, it's somewhere around two hundred and thirteen dollars. Uh, this is for hippo. Um, so how how would hippo then? Yeah. Yes, so one two zero zero was hippo, whereas lemonade was two hundred and thirteen in terms of average premium per policy. Mm. So is this effectively one thousand dollars? I presume USD here is that device. Uh, okay, so uh, I haven't really gone into or, detail or what's onto, exactly very um, their loss ratio yet, but I do understand that last year. 2020, there was something called the Texas freeze, which mm-hmm. caused, uh, I think it's an electricity, electricity shortage, which caused, I think, a major, um, uh, it's a catastrophic event. So insurers during that period of time, they had to, uh, a lot to pay out, which in- includes lemonade as well. So their loss ratio for last year, I think it was 100 over percent. And loss ratio is basically what you pay for the premium uh, divided by the claims that's paid out. No, the claims as paid are divided by the, 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 yeah. the premium that you pay. So Great. if um, the premium is $100 and the insurer pay $150, it's $150 divided by $100. So the loss ratio is 150%. Yeah. yeah. And technically for insurance company, you, you want a lower loss ratio as possible. For Hippo, I think they went through the same thing as last year during the Texas freeze. That's why the loss ratio was so high. And uh, for their risk itself, I believe that they're only holding 10% of the risk, whereas the other 90%, they actually switch it to a, a reinsurer. So the reinsurer will actually hold 90% of the risk and people will actually hold only 10% of risk. Yeah. So it's the standard yeah. CDO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they're just becoming an originator, I think, um, and, 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 and passing it off, which is fair. Yeah. And I do have to say that, um, you know, they are still a relatively new company. And although Hippo did achieve a 100% growth rate the past year, analysts still expect that they, they will not be profitable until 2025 onwards. Thus, you know, this is a long-term play. La. But definitely, this is something on my watch list. Yeah. yeah. Just nice, they are spec projections. <laughs> and then the five year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Five year mark. Yes, I, I, yeah, I put forecast in the five-year mark. That's true. <laughs> Just nice. The, the, the year the forecast end, that's the year that <laughs> Until we do it next year again, right? Then it'll be another five-year yes. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. But so that means they didn't have a good year. How was their stock price been? Did you, so mm. these guys are public, right? Just, just a question. So I think they went public this year. Yeah. This year. Through yes, respect. Through respect. Yeah. So uh, their stock price, if you guys see, is a bit daunting. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually 50% down from its high. I mean, spec price, when they come out, I think they were about $10 or $11. Now, Hippo's price is about $4 plus, if I'm not wrong. Right. Yeah, but I think uh, InsurTech as a whole, 
uh, it's been on a downtrend uh, because of the Texas freeze last year. Got it. So then do you see this as an opportunity to monitor um, this this industry or this stock? Uh, how, how would you see this as a, as a long-term play if you were to give your opinion on this? Uh, yes, yeah, so definitely I will keep it on my watch list. So mainly because uh, the only other major competitor, like I mentioned, is Lemonade. So Lemonade, it, they provide four different um, insurance, namely renters, renters insurance, homeowners insurance, pet insurance, and term life insurance. Whereas for um, Hippo, they only focus on home insurance. So they're just specializing in one product. And one thing to note, right, is that, you know, although Lemonade has been around for a longer period of time and they do more products, right? Hippo's gross return premium is twice that of Lemonade, but the market cap is only half of Lemonade. So I feel that, you know, there is still a lot of opportunity for Hippo to actually gain traction. Cool, man. No, I think this is a good idea. I'm going to take a look at it. I, I'm not much into intro tech for the reasons I just mentioned, but uh, I think I would like to take a look at it. Um, yeah, and, and any, more, any more like great news you have, please sure. let us know. All right, move on to the next topic. Um, I want to talk about our best pal, Apple. No, okay, just kidding. <laughs> Uh, we've talked a lot about Apple. I want we'll to talk end up about... talking about Apple. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Apple's new enemy or frenemy, Intel. Right. Um, so Intel just effectively had an earnings call uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they fell short of expectations. Right. So which actually saw a drop in, in the stock price. But that's not really why I'm I'm talking about this today. I think this is an opportunity for us to go into or back into Intel if we ever were in Intel. Now, whether it be now, whether it be six months time, that's it's up for discussion. It's up for also just looking at it. But I think they, they've got some feet in the right path. This is they walk in the right direction. Okay. So one thing's first, they move back to the olden days, right? I think they've got a decent CEO now. Uh, I believe he's been working at Intel since he was 18. Um, and he's just literally risen up the ranks, which I think, you know, commands biggest respects, uh, especially nowadays. Where two years in a job is considered very long already. <laughs> right, so that's yeah, I know. Yeah. Hey, you and I are the same age, so I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and then quit jobs like every two years, quite consistently. So, <laughs> so you're I be yeah. <laughs> Definitely right. So it, it fell. It fell. It fell ten percent, and and so the CEO is is doing a good job, right? And I think one thing to note here is that he's uh, he's an engineer himself. He's really focused on chips, and it's shown with the new Intel chips popping out. Now I know they've lost and and will lose potential revenue from Apple because they moved away. Apple moved to the M1 and the M1 Pros and, and whatever have you, but Intel is still good at what they do, and their latest processor actually has been outperforming other chips in its market. So I think that's a really good step in that direction. Most importantly, we know the issue now with the semiconductor, semiconductor uh, crunch and all of that. And what Intel wants to do is actually build plants by 2024, 2025, so that they're making it their own and they have more supply and they have more of these plants to address the upcoming demand, which we all can see in EVs and almost everything, right? So now clearly, InsurTech also will need <laughs> these chips. So. Yes. Um, so I think, you know, with, with these sort of things, and then as they internalize this entire logistical process, they could increase their margin, and they should increase their margins in doing what they do best. So I see this as a three, four-year-old uh, play in terms of looking at Intel, looking at what they do. It is hardware. It is fundamental. It is effectively a really old 
mm-hmm. company in that sense and, and a giant at that. What, what do you guys, yeah, what do you guys think? <sighs> I mean, I, I don't like new companies and I don't like old companies, so, so it's, it's difficult. Um, yeah. <laughs> Who do you actually like, Anthony? <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> evil companies like, we'll talk about that <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah um, I, I think there's you know it, it's difficult right so yes you know, 12 gen chips fantastic but I, I don't know and, and of course I think that compares to, to the new Apple M1 chips I, I don't know how AMD is responding right so so in, in that sense you know, we, we have seen Intel blow the tech lead you know three, three years ago I think you, you wouldn't have seen an AMD chip anywhere Right, um, it, all your laptops—they are all Intel processors. I, I was shopping for a laptop last week. I, you know, it, it's quite even now. I would say, um, at least in a mid-market range that I'm shopping at, right, thousand, thousand five hundred dollar mm-hmm. laptops. It, it's quite even between AM, AMD and, and Intel eleven gen chips. So you know, I think they have blown the lead um, historically. Now it's trying to reclaim it. I don't know if it's doable in one generation and with a recent CEO change, right? You know, and. Yes, great. They're moving into fabs back, you know, which, which they sold off, I think, 20 years ago. Um, again, you know, they're putting, what, 20 billion in, in, in three years, which sounds like a nice big number until you hear that TSMC is, you know, SKPAC is going to build $100 billion worth, right? So it, it, in terms of scale, it, it's starting up its fab again. It, in terms of the technology of the chips, there's a lot of people are doing their own chips now. So they have lost market share there. They have lost their technological lead in, in the, in the you know, more retail-facing space. So I don't know if you know, this Wait, is enough so to get said, it back. I don't believe more people are doing more chips, right? It's the same people doing the chips. No, right? but... Okay, you know, maybe they, one more person. Apple. Apple's doing the chips now. Yeah, but, but that, that's a big one, right? And I think NVIDIA are doing their own chips yeah. for data centers as well. I believe so. Um, yeah. You know, and I think what Ali Ali Cloud said, you know, we are doing our own chips for data centers. So I, I think it seems as if everybody's looking to design mm. their own mm. chips in, in a sense, right? Google's creating their own chips for their phones. Um so yeah. you know and all of these were but potentially could have been Intel, right? Because they, they would they would they they were the predominant one. And you know, if if there's some fragmentation in the market, people are not People want custom silicon. I think Twitter wants custom silicon. No, sorry, Square wants custom silicon for for whatever reason. So you know, it's it's going sorry, to I, be what's custom silicon? Um, it's it's essentially custom made chips. Ah, okay. Um, yeah. So so they are going to they are say I'm designing my own chip. I want it in a certain way because I'm going to put it in my device and it's you know like like M1 chips, right? It's yeah, like it's, it's going to work seamlessly with yeah, my product. Yeah, blah blah blah. blah, blah. <laughs> you know, make my make, I can make a thinner device, whatever. So. You know, if people are moving that direction, <laughs> I mean, I think Intel has has a long road ahead, and yeah. just to try to reclaim its previous position, and I think there's a bit, and that that's where the, the market is pricing it. How does Intel fare against like the other the other chip manufacturers like AMD, Nvidia? Like, if you were to buy a uh, a laptop, would you buy Intel uh, a laptop with an Intel chip or Intel a uh, laptop with a Nvidia chip or AMD chip? Which will you prefer, actually? Yeah, you, so, don't, uh, you don't ask me that question, man. I yeah, he, 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 he's <laughs> not, not useful in this situation. Um, um, so, 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 look, I mean, I, I literally just bought a laptop 
yesterday, right? Um, right. Fantastic logistics. <laughs> um, when I was searching over the weekend, I was like, yeah, I, I definitely want an Intel, you know, 11th gen, i5 or i7. That was, that, that's what I knew from my last purchase, right? Four years ago. Mm. Um, and, but I was like, oh, but why can't I find this? It's just all AMD mm. chips, you know, for, for mid-market range. Are they really good? Then I went to Google and, you know, performance-wise, it's actually really about the same on all metrics with AMD coming in slightly better. Um, so, so this mm-hmm. is small sample, right? This is um, very retail mm-hmm. chips, not not necessarily indicative of their general performance. But you know, I think they they really have lost a bit of a lead mm-hmm. there, um, because three years ago, if you told me, you know, if if we tried to Google a comparison between AMD and Intel, we just wouldn't get anything, right? No. It's unanimous. Absolutely. So I think so, you know, AMD. Uh, when I was growing up. Um, which was according to Anthony Dinosaur years ago now, which is not true. <laughs> because that's what uh, I do. <laughs> and I built, I built my first computer. I remember this. I was uh, 15, 14. I bought an AMD chip because at that point in time, AMD and Intel were also like this. But then in between, that was 2005, 2006, right? After that, uh, in, the, in the early 10s and 12s, you couldn't see anything but an Intel chip everywhere. Yeah. So I'd say they, 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 they skyrocketed at that point in time. And now I am seeing a resurgence, right, um, in the form of AMD chips. And I think Apple perhaps made a good decision there. I guess we're talking about Apple now, right? <laughs> when Apple chose to go back to Intel. So Apple went with Intel, then went to the R chips again, and then went back to Intel. And now going back to the R chips again. They perhaps are saying what you're trying to say, Anthony, is that custom silicon, the way that we want it to do is that we want to hold the IP, and we want to just give it to a fab company to fab it up and, and, and print it up, effectively print it out for me. And maybe Intel will, a couple of things that I see, right? Number one, Intel has to gain that space back. Clearly, they have done it before, so they can do it again. That's one thing that I'll say. They have a huge backing. And if they just turn out to be a fab company, that's still going to work for them. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, again, fab, they're going to be a really small player. It's still going to go to, and look, if they're still making their own chips and designing their own chips, I think any competitor that, also wants to be in that space would j- just as a matter of you know competition wouldn't let Intel do the fab, right? Um, so so I think Intel's fabs biggest customer will still be Intel. Um, it it literally you know is is vert- supply chain integration um, vertically. It it helps them cut their cost structure. Fantastic, you know at at the cost of huge capex upfront. But I I I mean I I at at this stage you know without much more execution and given that it's a a company that has blown a lead is, I mean, yes, they, they, they made a lead, but then they blew it. And to, to me, you know, the blowing of the lead is the more recent one and we should give greater weight to that. So yeah, yes, they have done it before, but you know, they have also blown a lead before and, and been terrible. Mm. So I think it's, it's a difficult one to weigh. Fair enough. So uh, to, to quickly sum up, yeah, I, I mean, I see that as a long-term play, but what you're also saying is that in the short term, before that long-term play, they could be losing a lot more and not yes. even get to the plan of their long-term play. Yeah, and, and we right. don't know how the long-term play will pan out. So, so it, exactly. it's risk. It's risk. Interesting. Got it, got it. All right, guys. Uh, that, was, that was good. Um, let's, let's move on to the next one. Anthony, you got something to tell us about uh, diversified yeah, energy? Diversified energy, yes. Um, we, we are just yeah. 
letting me be angry today. <laughs> we uh, love angry <laughs> Anthony. Yeah, yeah it's, it's only terrible. once a week. Only once a week. <laughs> it's, it's a Tuesday night, right? Um, so you know, um, just just a bit of background, diversified energy. Okay, let let's take a step back, right? LNG, you know, liquefied natural gas is hot right now. You know, Bitcoin has hasn't Bitcoin has doubled in a year. So has LNG. You know, they are all real assets, right? <laughs> but um, so you know how how LNG wells work, and this is really just background information. Is you you literally dig a hole, um, that that costs money. Mm-hmm. You you extract it from the ground. That costs money, but you sell it and you you earn money that way. And once you know the the well is empty, you need to fill it back in and and do reinstatement and all of that to 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 make the earth whole essentially, right? And you know, obviously, the last part nobody likes to do because you don't make money. It's just a cost. So regulation steps in and says, yes, you know, um, you have to fill in. Otherwise, I'm going to fine you a, a bajillion dollars and it sucks mm. to be you. Um, so, <laughs> what diversified energy does is it goes around, and you know, oil oil majors have lots of wells, and they say, you know, we have, and and let's say, uh, Shell might own a well now with one year's worth of extraction left. Diversified Energy buys it or tells Shell to pay it for for that, that well, and you know mm-hmm. it, it says I have technology, and so with this one year's worth, I'm going to extract it for fifty years, right? Or, or ten years or twenty years. Um, fifty is maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but essentially they are pushing okay. the timeline out. And what this means is, you know, when when it was with Shell, there there was a cost one year later of reinstatement, mm. right? Of maybe ten million dollars. Now that Diversified Energy has bought mm. it over. Um, Shell has zero liability because they are not the owner of the well. Diversified Energy says, yes, I have $10 million worth of liabilities, but that's 20 years down the line. So discounting back, um, I have a $5 million current obligation. right? <laughs> um, just, just because... Right. Uh, and, and this is brilliant financial engineering, right? Um, it, it's cost that was supposed to be in one year. It's 10 years later, 20 years later, it's a small value. Nobody mm-hmm. cares. Um, and that's great. It's, it's good business. You know, Shell is happy because... Instead of a ten million dollar liability, they they might have got some cash, or they could even right. have paid you know diversified energy so to take, get take rid of it. Take me back a little, right? Um, they have they they dig the hole, yep. Then they're supposed to fill it up. Yes. Now before that time is up, so maybe they've got one years left of of oil or gas yeah. or whatever's in there. They sell that plot of land to yes. Shell. No, sorry, Shell sells it to diversified energy. To diversified energy, right? yeah. So then diversified energy will take that one year's worth of gas uh, that they apparently have in this plot of land and yep. turn that into 10 years worth of gas. No, so so it's the, so it, let's say it's, it's 10 um, cubic liters yeah. worth, right? And, and okay. Shell would pump it out normally in a year because they, they need it yeah. for business. Diversified energy just says, no, I don't really need it for business. So I'm going to pump one liter a year over the next 10 years. Right. It's also it doesn't magically in, increase the the gas, um, but but what it does is just delaying you know, it. Drag, drag, yeah, delaying it, which is good financial engineering. I think it's great. I love financial engineering and evil companies. <laughs> but what what is egregious to me here um, is that you know in in that ten year period, right, that the well leaks methane. Um, so so the whole reason behind filling it up is you know. The empty wells or close to empty wells leak methane, and, and that's carbon emissions, and that's all bad, yeah. right? And and we have a climate crisis on our hands, and you know, for for a few million bucks, people are doing this. Great, very smart people are doing this, but it's it's bad for the environment. You know, do do we really mm. want to be 
um, yeah. doing this when when it's literally an existential crisis, right? And and I think that is the the, the part that that you know th- this is a bit too evil for me. Um, Facebook, Twitter, fine, right? I can close one eye and deal with it. This is just do with the environment. A, a different level. It crosses the line. Uh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know about this. This is this is quite interesting. Mm. So in this sort of industry, um, instead of spending the money to cover it up. They would rather sell it to Diversify Energy, for example, and then just say, you take 10 years to do it, then I'll come back in later and fill it up myself. Oh, no. So, so, so Diversify Energy will fill it in themselves, right? So, ah, so, okay. Shell, so Shell, Shell, um, the oil majors literally wash their hands and say, yep, it's not my asset. And, you know, with, with this ESG push, it's good for them, right? Um, there's mm. a lot of divestments that they want to do in, in the, the polluting space. So, so this, this is just a godsend, oh, I think. They, they are more than happy to, to pay diversify energy even just yeah. to get rid of it. Do you think the regulators will actually yeah. step in? Yeah, that's what, that would be my question, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay, I mean, okay, so diversify energy is largely, I think, in the US. Um, that's a very difficult regulatory space, I would say. Right, um, not not to cast aspersions about the the, the mode of government, but you know I, I think these are usually state related laws. So you're going to have to each state has their own different law. You're going to have to navigate it. You want fifty states to pass the same law? That's realistically in this climate not going to happen. No. So you know I, I think it's it's a bit of regulatory arbitrage here. Um, obviously regulators should step in and do something about it. Um, and and you can well, maybe their pockets are also right. lined up, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. Well, maybe not, right? They, they mean, do okay, get they, they get license that. fees, right? Um, the states get license <laughs> fees from from all these miners. So you know it, it's in their interest mm. to extend you know, life of the well as well. So. Yeah, it's, it's something that I think it's, it's clear market failure. Um, regulation should step in, as, as it did originally for the obligation to reinstate. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to happen realistically. And, and that's okay. slightly disappointing. Oh, wow. So it's sort of like a workaround towards, uh, oh, Shell is becoming less, uh, you know, emitting less carbon emissions, blah, blah, blah. Actually, yeah. what they're doing is a bit, is, is yeah. more evil. But on the PR standpoint, it's, hey, it's better. Look at the numbers. It looks yeah. great. And it's not Shell's fault, right? I mean, you know, yeah, they, I mean, they, they, are, they are fulfilling their numbers. Yeah, no, yeah. but even <laughs> even then, you know, if their shareholders are giving them a remit to be more green, they are becoming more green. They they are cleaning it up, right? Or rather, they are getting rid of these assets of their books. It's just going into you know somebody who is less incentivized than Shell to behave better or behave properly, and and right. that's I think a downside of the ESG movement that that very very few people see, like. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, even if they did if diversify energy, did not do this, right? Which, let's think about it, right? Which, which company do you prefer? Do you want um, an oil major with the obligation to fill it up? Or do you want some random company that, that promises to fill it up? Like, like whose promise do you put more stock in, right? I mean, I, I think it's the oil major because if they don't, I'll embarrass them and you know, it's bad PR. <laughs> so, um, it's, yeah, it's so, mainly because of bad PR. I don't think, yeah. I think they're fine with paying the fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you know, um, I, I, would, I would trust the, the bigger company a lot more to, to do the right thing because they have more to lose. Mm. You know, so, mm. But with, with ESG, it's, it's just forcing divestment and, and that's not helpful Something because it, it goes into private hands that you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't tell. Essentially, no, nobody knows. It's, it's a private company. There's no disclosure. It's just, yeah. So, so ESG not necessarily oh. good. Think about it. <laughs> so now that's like sort of like a, like a moral dilemma, right? Like, uh, this company diversified energy probably maybe have a good business, 
right? Financial engineering, top notch, but it's harming the environment on a major scale, right? So as investors, do we, if we think yeah. that this is company, we already know what's going on with this company. Do we still want to put money in this kind of companies? What would you actually put the money in? No, no, right. Uh, this is a step too yeah. far. Um, yeah, so no. But even though it, it can have a very good business model, right, like it can be evil up to right, a certain extent. But it, it, there's a line that has to be drawn. Yeah. Well, it clearly does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it clearly got a great business model. model. <laughs> it's gonna increase and, your margins, increase your profitability. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna make money. <laughs> they are gonna make money hand over fist. But there's lots of good companies everywhere, yeah. right? Let, let let's try to do less harm. Um, yeah, fully let's agree. Give our money to Zuckerberg. Hundred percent agree with you, Anthony. Yeah, <laughs> that's something <laughs> that we fully agree on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right, all right, cool, man. No, thanks, thanks for sharing that. I think uh, we're trying to to also just if you guys learn of anything in the industry or anything that we're not sure, we're trying to raise awareness as well. So I think that's a great that's a great step. So thanks for for stumbling yeah. upon that. And speaking of you know great great companies, one last thing, one last banter is the great company of Tesla. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anthony's favorite, by the way. <laughs> I mean EVs. We have. Electric vehicles. Come on, you can't get more carbon neutral than that one. Um, yep. Actually, I don't know whether they are carbon neutral. Um, I don't know actually whether they're carbon positive, right? Because I do I know don't they, think they, they are, actually. I don't think they are either because yeah. it takes like seven years to of fossil fuels to actually make one battery and you need to replace the battery in five years. <laughs> so <laughs> that alone shows <laughs> that you're not going to be. Uh, well, but you at at least you're not continuously harming. So you just harm in the production <laughs> process and, and you, you know, don't, not harm in, in the remainder. True. <laughs> right, maybe steps, maybe steps. <laughs> yes, yes. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. But, you know, it's skyrocket. Was it thousand something yeah, dollars it's now? Insane. Yes. Um, because, and, and from what we understand... Yeah. Thousand, right? Yeah. And because they've got the um, new gig with Hertz, is that right? I believe that's the main reason for it. Um, what do you guys? What do you guys think? Man? Should we? Should we buy that? Oh. <laughs> well, you think they're going for a stock split? <laughs> well, I, I think the next time there's a stock split, you should definitely buy it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? There's no difference. Oh, because well, of volume. No, no. Right, look, I, I, look I, the last stock split. I, I and, and I literally texted my friend, this is a gamble, it's a cult, buy it, right? And, and it, it, no, technically I know it's no difference. Financially it's no difference, um, except that uh, it's a bit more liquid, it, it lets people buy, buy more shares and people feel happier and, and greater democratic access, whatever, right? Nobody cares, it, it's useless. Um, but yeah, it, it's just hype, you know? This, this whole thing, like, okay, it, it's less bad than Trump, <laughs> but it, it's still high. <laughs> um, so, so if that stock split, if you know, if it goes to like you know one four two zero point six nine, just just buy it. It, it. It's going to go up. How much was the Tesla stock after the split? Uh? four hundred, right? Yeah, it split to four hundred, yeah. right? Oh shit! Split it was thousand six. Split four ways, I believe, to four hundred. Yeah, yeah, but but even before they they announced the split, it was like six hundred or oh, something. Man. So it went from 600,000 it split to 400 and people said, ah, oh, this is cheap, you should buy it. No, dude, yes. no. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, wow. it, it's, it's insane. Um, the Hertz news is great, obviously. I, I don't know how good it will be given that I think Tesla's main issues are supply bottlenecks. They can't make fast enough rather than they can't sell fast enough. So, you know, getting a committed order of 100,000, ah, meh. You know, they, they would have sold it anyway. 
right? They they need to increase capacity with their gigafactories and all that, which they are doing. Um, I mean, look, I, I rag on them a lot, but great execution by by Elon Musk. Uh, actually, I just I just don't see the value in in a trillion dollar company. For a trillion dollar company, I expect you to take over the world like Facebook, not you know sell a hundred cars. Well, they they have a promise to take over the world, right? And if anything we've learned from Trump and the uh, <laughs> the. The uh, first thing we talked about, right? Um, a promise is all you need. It's all words. The cop following <laughs> yeah. will do the rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Disclaimer: I, I am a holder of Tesla also, but um, yeah, I believe I believe in the promise. Wow, I look at this guy. Thank you. Long so <laughs> hopefully, you know, hopefully it will continue to deliver its promises, lah. But I also get the other side of the the argument, you know, like it's way overvalued. There's a lot of things that they can say against the company, but yeah, I'm biased. But since I got it already, I have to hold it already. Hold all the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice man. All right. Well, you know, it looks like Joel's buying dinner next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We've come to the end. Uh, thank you so much, listeners, for for listening in. Hope this was a fun session for you guys. I hope you learned a thing or two. Uh, just remember to wear a mask and stay safe. Bye, guys. All right. Bye. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode with me, Rakesh. And trust that you learned something today. If you enjoyed the session and want to be part of the banter, join our community Telegram group or follow us on social media. We also have a weekly newsletter to get a digest of the news we covered. To sign up, please click the description below. As always, we love your feedback. So share that with us at hello at thefinancialcoconut.com. Thanks and stay safe.